Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Road to Growth listeners. Um, so it, it's pretty it's pretty funny. So we do, a, I mean, everything's gone digital these days. I used to do in-person interviews. And so before we get on the mic, I'll talk to the guests and we'll just kind of have conversations. <clears throat> and then once we go live, it kind of cuts them out and we get into the, the intro and then kind of just go for it. So me and Ralph were having a, uh, a little bit of a conversation and I didn't realize that he wasn't done talking. I get told by my fiance all the time that I cut people off a little too early. And Ralph, I'm sorry I did that for you. No, no, that's okay. I, yeah, I didn't realize we we're going right into it, but uh, I, I don't think I said anything too bad. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be something that I'm very intrigued about with this one. I have usually have a lot of business owners. I mean, when you're starting a business, you're usually a little more stable. You're not moving from one location to the next location. So Ralph Velasco is a travel blogger. He's He started that about 12 years ago and has gone anywhere and everywhere. So it's gonna be kind of interesting to hear from him how business changes, how interacting changes in different communities and living his best life. Welcome, thank you for being here, Ralph. Great, thanks for having me on. And if I could just uh, correct you a little bit, uh, I consider myself a traveler first, a travel photographer second, and uh, I do some travel blogging. So I, I started a new travel blog recently. So uh, I guess I consider myself more of a travel photographer and uh, international tour organizer is what I've really been doing for the past 12 years. So we kind of talked about this before I got on the mic, uh, that you were in the corporate world beforehand and you know you're you're making good money but sometimes that the good money doesn't offset what your best life is what your big why is and so kind of walk us through kind of that journey yeah I, you know i started i've always had my own business in one way or another i've had a couple restaurants i grew up in the restaurant business i was a third generation restaurateur so it kind of made sense for me to to go into that business, but I didn't love it. So um, I spent some time right out of college in the business. I had, a, there was a restaurant for sale in my hometown after I graduated. So I bought that and ran it for a couple of years and it was a nice little moneymaker. And I ended up selling it and doing a round the world trip which was one of the best experiences of my life, as you can imagine, at, at 24, traveling around the world by myself. This was back in 1988, uh, before the internet, before cell phones, uh, practically before the wheel. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it was a great experience. But uh, the reason I tell you that is when I came back, I got into real estate. I sold real estate for a while, did a couple other things, but then I felt like um, I needed to catch up to my cohorts, my colleagues that were, you know, now probably eight or 10 years into their careers. And so I decided to get an MBA in international business and I moved to Mexico City. So I, I went there, um, studied for that. Uh, it's called an MIBA, Master's in International Business Administration. 
uh, to try to catch up with my cohorts. And uh, after I almost got kidnapped, which is a whole nother podcast, uh, I, I left and finished up the degree in San Diego where I, my school was based. And this was the only American school, American accredited school in all of Latin America, if I recall. This was quite a while ago now. But uh, so I did that. And so getting uh, when I graduated from there, I thought, well, I need to get a corporate job because now I've got this MIBA that I just spent a bunch of time and money uh, getting. And so I got a job with uh, as a marketing director for a division of a Fortune 500 company. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was probably the worst three years of my life. I just didn't fit in. I was certainly a fish out of water, swimming upstream and all those uh, cliches. And so uh, after about three years, uh, I think it was a mutual decision that I leave and uh, kind of went back to, uh, I got I bought another restaurant or I started another restaurant from scratch. And then... Um, I was coming up to the end of my three-year initial lease on that restaurant, which was back in Chicago. So I'd moved back to Chicago at that point. And I had to decide, was I going to sign for another five years or was I going to make a move and do something different? And this is around 2003, 2004, which uh, I would call sort of the dawn of digital photography. And I'd just gotten my first one megapixel camera if you anyone has an idea what how how low resolution that was but it was like such cutting edge technology back then and so I, I just got inspired by photography again I hadn't done it seriously for quite a few years at that point and so I, I took a yellow pad and I wrote on the left side the things I disliked about the restaurant business I had to have employees. I had a very expensive retail space that I had to, you know, pay rent on every single month in downtown Chicago. And, uh, you know, I was selling something that people consumed and could make them sick. And so there was a liability issue and uh, all these different things. I came home smelling like a French fry every night. So on the right side, I wrote the opposite of those things. I said, I don't want to have employees. I only want to count on myself. Uh, I want to work from wherever my wherever my laptop is. Uh, laptops weren't even that big at that time, but yeah, I guess I did have one. Uh, so, um, you know, I want I I guess I was kind of early on to this digital nomad kind of thing. I don't even think it was a term back then in 2004. Maybe it was, but um, you know, I wanted to only count on myself because employees are can be difficult, and you know, there's a responsibility. And uh, I wanted to do something that was maybe a little bit more active and not just sitting in a restaurant all day. But uh, so I started thinking about, well, people are getting these digital cameras. They're starting to uh, you know, find out about them. They want to learn about them. Perhaps I could create some walking tours where I teach people how to use these new digital devices. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, and I ended up moving back to Southern California, actually to Orange County at that point. Got a, another corporate type job being a financial advisor because that was a way for me to have a job when I got out there. And this was 2005 to 2008, which uh, we all know what happened in September of 2008. We had the financial crisis. 
So not a great time to be a financial advisor. When my boss who'd been in the business for 25 years saw his business go down like 90% and here I am just trying to start a book. And um, so I had been teaching at, um, at night and on weekends and doing walking tours with people sitting across the kitchen table, teaching them how to use these new digital devices, taking them out into the local area. I lived on Balboa Island and uh, Corona Del Mar, beautiful places to do walking tours and show them how to use, the device, use these devices and get actual pictures. And so to make a long story longer, uh, you know, at the day after the financial crisis is when I decided to go full-time as a travel photographer and tour organizer and turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me was the financial crisis. What, at that time, before you gave up the financial advisor position, right, how much of your business was coming from the tours and how much was coming from financial advising? Well, there wasn't a lot from either at that point, uh, but I would say at that point, it was probably 50-50. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it, like I said, it wasn't a lot of money on either one because I was. it takes a long time to build a business as a financial advisor and to build a business as a you know, tour organizer trying to make $50 an hour teaching people how to you know, use their new cameras, which was a new idea. Be, being that there was no track record, I guess, even in, in both avenues, the financial advising and the tour, were you scared at all by giving up the second option of the financial advising, knowing that now you only had the one option to succeed in? I really wasn't because I was miserable as a financial advisor. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, I, I like investing and that kind of thing, but I don't like having to you know, be dialing for dollars all day long, trying to get someone to, you know, buy a $10,000 bond or something that I might make 50 bucks on or whatever. So, uh, it wasn't hard and it was really the kick in the pants that I needed to get out of this business that I had no interest in and to do what I wanted to do full time. I mean, it was somewhat scary. Um, but not like I was leaving, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year from the financial advising, I mean, it was just drip dribbling in, especially when you have a financial crisis. Going back to one of the previous statements you said when you were 24 and you went down to Mexico City, uh, almost got kidnapped. Did you speak Spanish? Did you know anybody down in Mexico City? What brought you down there? Yeah, actually, the round the world trip was at 24. And by the time I moved to Mexico City to get the MIBA, I was 29, 30. But uh, yeah, I did have a background in Spanish. Uh, I've traveled quite a bit. At that point, I had traveled quite a bit to uh, Spanish-speaking countries, uh, Peru, Venezuela, Mexico, Spain. And uh, my my family background on my dad's side is uh, from Mexico. My grandfather uh, was born and raised there. So I did have some background in Spanish. So I did speak Spanish. And I I know it's a totally different story, but maybe you can give spark notes of that kidnapping. Yeah, happened. well, I was, uh, four guys came up to me and they sort of muscled me into their car and they flashed badges at me that they wouldn't let me see again because I didn't get a good look at them. And I, I certainly had a feeling that these weren't real cops 
car was unmarked. I memorized the license plate on the way into the car as we walked to it. I had the presence of mind to do that. Uh, more than anything, I was I was pissed off that it was happening than really afraid or anything. Uh, they showed me a gun in the glove box. They drove me to the jail, the local jail, and they said, you know, while one of the guys is rifling through my wallet and find, you know, found out where I lived and my identification and stuff. And uh, they said, if, uh, if, if you go, th- you know, if we take you through those doors and we're at the front of the jail, big jail in Mexico City, um, it's going to be, I think they said, you know, five years and $8,000 fine or something like that. So obviously they were looking for a payoff. And so, you know, I said, what do you want? And they pretty much said, well, what do you got? And so they took me to my ATM and they cleared out about $400 that I had in there. I think that was the max that you could take out. And then they came back to my apartment because like I said, they knew where I lived and they cleared out anything of value there, making me help the low man on the totem pole, take my huge $700 TV down the stairs with him and uh, into the car. And they said, we know where you live. If you tell anyone, we're coming back. So needless to say, I um, it kind of really hit me how upside down it really could have gone the next day. But, uh, you know, I, as soon as I really started thinking about it, I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, at the end of the semester, I'm out of here and I moved back to uh, San Diego. No, I mean, it, it gives you the, the understanding the <clears throat> of what you're what can you can appreciate um, and appreciate the moment, appreciate the day. I mean, I, I always feel like uh, when I've been lucky enough to travel is every time I'm in a new new country, a new area, I get to understand a little more about myself and um, what I appreciate about either home or that location or just, yeah, that day. But, um, so you got into the, you're, we're back in Orange County, right? Orange County. And you're doing the, uh, travel. When did you start looking to start doing the travel and expanding it internationally? Yeah. So that would have been, uh, 2008 when we had the financial crisis. So the next day I was full-time doing these tours. And at that point I had probably done, a few overnights like out to Joshua Tree and up to Death Valley with small groups. I was speaking at a lot of different camera stores, which there used to be camera stores. <laughs> and uh, so I was developing a little bit of a following. This was really before social media, so that didn't have much to do with it. But uh, I was really hustling. I was just doing whatever I could to get in front of people that were interested in travel and photography. So speaking at camera clubs uh, at the Orange County Fair that had a huge photography exhibit and they had speakers come there. Uh, I would you know, uh, do classes at the city of Newport Beach, uh, the Saddleback College, UCI, UC Irvine Extension Program. Like I said, really hustling and any time I could get in front of someone who might be interested in either doing a walking tour or coming on a, a trip, I was there. And I, and I still do that to, to a degree this, to this day because uh, I've just always been a hustler and I enjoy, I enjoy speaking and, and talking about photography, whether I'm getting paid or not. But um, 
Yeah. So at that point, uh, I had done a few sort of long weekend trips to some of the local uh, national parks, which I found out I was doing illegally. <laughs> and uh, uh, because uh, you need to be insured and have uh, permits and all that stuff. And a quick story, we were at Death Valley and we stopped at one of the ranger stations to kind of look at maps and you know, people wanted to buy some souvenirs and stuff. And so one of the rangers started talking to one of the people in my group and he's like, uh, so what are you guys doing in the park? He says, oh, we're, we're here on a photo tour. He's like, oh, really? Okay. Um, who, who's, who's leading the tour? Well, that guy over there. Okay. And, uh, what, you know, what, what are you guys doing? Well, we're just, you know, cruising around the park and stuff. So they started grilling me a little bit and somehow I talked my way out of it. But, uh, like I said, you have to be insured and have permits and, and I didn't have any of those things cause I didn't know I needed them. So, uh, but then I started bringing groups back to Chicago and I was really just looking for a, a way to get a free trip back to, to my hometown and see my family a couple times a year. And it turned out to be uh, one of my most popular trips. And I've done it probably 12 or 14 times at this point. And uh, I had, didn't realize how many people hadn't been to Chicago. I don't know why I thought, you know, everyone been to Chicago or, you know, even in some, from Southern California, but a lot of people hadn't been and everyone that came absolutely fell in love with it. So I put together a really nice trip, which I, I still do to this day. I actually just brought it back after probably six or seven years hiatus because now I'm mostly in the spring and fall doing international trips. But now that we're, you know, during this pandemic at the time of, of this video, um, you know, I'm doing some local things and there's been a lot of interest in that tour. So I'm bringing that back. How do you how do you put together your tour? I mean, I know for again for myself when I've been looking to travel, I get lost, and by getting lost, I start figuring things out, finding things. But I'm assuming for your yourself doing this on a big scale, you have to have a pretty good roadmap of all the different locations you want to hit up, understand those different communities, different areas you're looking to go to. How do you kind of keep together? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I. First, at first, uh, I was doing everything myself. And like I said, I was just doing local sort of national parks and Chicago tours and two and four hour half day trips uh, within the area. But then I wanted to do my first international trip. And for that, I ended up uh, getting together with a big tour company who approached me, found out that I, I do local tours and said, well, we do trips around the world. Would you like to do a trip in coordination with us? Which actually was a, a really good way to dip my toes in. And, you know, they had all the the hotels and the transportation and guides and everything. And we were just going to be a part of that group. Uh, turned out I did two of those. One was to the first one was uh, 2009 to the Central European Christmas markets, which was absolutely fantastic. And the other one was to Egypt, um, I guess three. And the other one was a, a, a Rhine or a, excuse me, a Danube River cruise. But I learned very quickly that I had no control whatsoever because with photography, it's all about timing and travel in general. You know, it's about trying to get in front of the crowds, uh, get out in good lights before the heat of the day and all those reasons, uh, which is what I try to do with my groups because uh, I can't stand big tourist crowds. 
And so I had no control when we were a part of a bigger group and especially when you're on a river cruise. Uh, they were great trips and I, I know that the people that were on them would tell you that they were fantastic, but I knew I could make them better. And so I said I wanted to put together a trip to Spain, which I had been to Spain many times. I speak Spanish. I knew exactly the itinerary that I wanted to put together. And it's come to be called the pain in Spain. And uh, the reason is that I tried to put this trip together soup to nuts uh, by myself with my assistant at the time. And I realized that, uh, you know, if we were going to Madrid, Segovia, Toledo and Barcelona, I needed to contact four different hotels, four different guides, restaurants in each of those places, activities, transportation, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I, I counted it up and it was 36 different vendors that I needed to explain to them who I was, why they should work with me, what I wanted to do. And, you know, it was just a mess. Um, I ended up doing the trip and it went great, but that's when I realized that I need to work with a local tour operator, someone in the destination who has all those contacts. I explained myself once to them, make a relationship with them. They already have the relationships with everyone else. You know, I tell them exactly the type of trip I'm going for, the types of hotels I want, the restaurants, et cetera, activities. And they helped me put that together. And so that's been a godsend. How does that affect your margins going to the to the end person, the end vendor, compared to going to the other travel agent in that community and working with them? Yeah, um, you know, it, it, there's definitely a middleman now, but boy, do they earn their keep. And it's well worth it. And it's not as expensive as you might think. And I can raise the trip price a little bit. The client's getting a much better trip than if I had tried to cobble it together myself. Uh, and so it's so worth it and not as expensive as I had initially thought. Because that's, of course, what I was trying to do was uh, eliminate the middleman. I mean, hearing your story, and I know people listening probably getting the same thing, that you're very free and open with, I want to go do this. I'm going to go do this. I need to find a way to, to survive here. I want to go here. I'm going to find a way to incorporate into my business. If someone's listening right now, maybe they're a younger person where they're stuck in corporate world, and they're just trying to, to find their passion, right, and, and enjoy the world, travel a little bit. What would what would you say their your best advice would be? for them to kind of go down the, the road that you've gone through. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll, first thing I'll say is that it has nothing to do with age. Uh, I always say that it only took me 45 years to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And most people never do. And so it doesn't matter what age you are. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. And so don't let age hold you back. Um, I had been wanting to try to figure out how to make money from travel and photography since my first trip to Spain when I was 15 years old in high school. And I'm like, this is great. I love this. I would love to make a living <laughs> doing this. But at that time, you know, back in the early 80s, it, there was very few people doing that. It was all like National Geographic photographers and big tour companies. And so... To me, the 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 um, possibility of my doing that, to, you know, making a living from travel, was about as likely as my becoming a rock star. 
And so I kind of gave up on that. But as you know, the internet came and all these other social media, certainly, you know, sort of the perfect storm came together and all these ways that we can all do this now. And so, uh, but I also, I always talk about, you know, how, uh, someday never comes. We always talk about, uh, you know, someday I'm going to do this. Uh, someday I'm going to do that. Someday never comes. So do it today, plan for it tomorrow, you know, but, but do it. And so, uh, the only reason that I've been able to succeed at what I do and try all these different things is because, you know, I had the gall to do them. I, I just did it. I, a lot of times uh, now, you know, I certainly can uh, be sympathetic with people who have families uh, that, you know, need to have a, a certain income to pay for children and, you know, families or, I don't know, sick parents, whatever. But uh, I've, uh, I have been single all my life, so I haven't had to think about pretty much anyone else but myself. So that that definitely does help. But um, if you can get yourself into a position where uh, financially, and, and you don't have to be rich, you don't have to like retire or be in a position to retire with a million dollars to do something like this. I mean, I had zero money at the time. I was probably in debt you know, credit card debt when I started this business, but you just got to start. And I, and I don't want to oversimplify it because it's not easy, but it's simple. You know, the, the idea is simple, but it's not easy. And I'll, I'll never tell you that it's easy, but if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. I, I, I say the same thing about real estate or new agents that get into the business where it's like, uh, the process is, is not that difficult, but it's the rejection. It's the, the nose, all that kind of stuff. That's where it can get tough. And just, if you can fight through that, really anything is possible. Um, if, if someone's listening right now, right. And they go, okay, I want to travel Ralph. I got 10 days to travel. Where can I get the most enjoyment? What questions would you ask? What advice would you give um, besides just calling you or following your platform? Well, uh, I mean, certainly you have to think about how much time you have, what your budget is, what kind of trip you want to have. Do you want to go sit on a beach and drink cocktails or do you want an active type trip where you want to go hiking? And uh, for me, my trips, I call them cultural tours. I've got two brands. I've got the Photo Enrichment Adventures, which are my original brand, and they're a little bit more about photography. But another lesson that I learned was that I didn't want to lead photo workshops and work is a four letter word. We're here to have fun, but uh, there are companies that lead photo workshops. And that's to me, that means 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you're doing photography. Hmm. And I learned early on that that's not the kind of trip I want to lead. Um, my trips are about a half day scheduled, half day free time, and we do some photography and, um, I'm there to help people if they need it, but I'm not hanging over everyone's shoulder. Uh, we do oftentimes, uh, image reviews and I check out people's photographs, give them feedback. But even if you're not a photographer and I get a lot of photographers, whether male or female, who will bring a spouse who's a non-photographer 
and they will have an absolute blast. So I call them cultural tours with a focus on photography because, again, we're out there early in the best light of the day with the fewest tourists, meeting the most interesting people, local artisans, craftspeople. Whether or not you've got a camera, who doesn't want to do those things and, and see those things and experience that in great light with few tourists? So uh, even if you are not a photographer but you just want to see um, you know, these things, that's great. But now my a la Campania experiences, which is a new brand is less about photography and even more about the culture and staying in one, maybe two locations over the period, course of a trip, instead of moving around every two or three nights, which sometimes we do and seeing a whole region or country, uh, we focus on, you know, slow and immersive travel in one or two locations, mostly in the countryside. So the reason I tell you all that is that you have to decide what kind of trip you, you know you want to go on when you're making that decision, what your budget is, timing. Uh, I prefer to go in spring and fall, uh, whatever hemisphere I'm in, because that's usually considered shoulder season. So summer is typically high season, but that's when it's really hot and crowded and expensive. Uh, spring and fall are when you've got the, the flowers are blooming or the harvests are happening interesting things going on with less crowds. Um, the, the other thing is that, uh, you know, as far as specific places, Europe is a great place to go because it's a very Western continent. So as exotic as it is to uh, even me, who's been there, you know, probably a hundred times, every time I go back, it's, I just love it. And one of these days I will move there. But, um, Europe's a great way to sort of dip your toe into something that's very different and very international, but not so exotic, like, I don't know, going to Cambodia or uh, China or some, you know, Indonesia, Africa, but that, uh, you know, you can kind of just ease your way into international travel. Certainly Mexico, which is, you know, right next door, couple hour flight away very different than the U.S., uh, wonderful people, great food, varied, you know, country with so many different things to see and do, uh, you know, from mountains to beaches to big cities to villages. I mean, you know, and that's right next door. There's no little to no time zone change and jet lag. So. No, it makes, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You have to, not every person is the same and uh, allows them to kind of dive deeper into each of the platforms. Now, diving deeper into you and we're, I mean, you're building all these different platforms, two different styles, you got the photos, you got the the blogging. If we're talking in five years from now, what else do you plan to be adding to your portfolio? Where do you plan to be? Who do you plan to be? Well, I just, uh, you know, while we're in this pandemic, um, I have taken advantage of this downtime because usually I'm on the road probably eight to nine months of the year internationally leading my trips. It's very difficult to do much else uh, than be on the trip with my group at that time. I mean, I might get 10% of my other work done and I'm usually working five or six trips in advance. So having this downtime has allowed me to do some things that I've had on my list for a long time. And that would be, uh, number one was starting a new travel blog at continentaldrifter.co. 
uh, .co, not .com. And also having a follow on YouTube channel, which is something that I've wanted to do for a long time was to start a YouTube channel. And so that is also uh, the Continental Drifter on YouTube. And I think I gave you links to those that people can check those out and subscribe. That would be great. But uh, my whole thing is trying to inspire people to travel, whether with me or wh whomever by themselves. But to get out and not be afraid to travel, uh, you know, I, I want to say that something like only 38% of Americans have a passport, and which just blows me away. But uh, some people are afraid for whatever reason to, you know, leave the U.S. and to go and explore. And I, I think that, that that can be a mistake and something that people might regret down the road. So I want to build that YouTube channel, the blog, um, also uh, creating these a la campagna experiences that are slower travel, staying in private castles, uh, wine estates, uh, former villas, beautiful properties, agriturismos, uh, places where the, the property itself is a destination and you may not even want to leave the property and you'll still have an unbelievable trip. So. Um, immersing people, learning about the wine and how they do olive oil production and make the local cheese and meeting artisans and sculptors and things like that. To me, that's what travel is about, meeting the local people and uh, learning about their way of life. Uh, there's so many different perspectives. And I think sometimes as Americans, we think that ours is the one and only right way. And uh, sorry, but that's not true. And not everyone wants to be an American. Uh, I'm proud to be an American, but I don't try to, uh, you know, I, I just want to learn from other people and I don't try to put my outlook on life on them. Uh, I want to instead learn from them and take the best little pieces and, uh, and make my life better. Well, one thing, so I lived in Czech Republic a long time ago, and I remember a professor telling me once that uh, you, we all have our bubble. We have our basically, I'm in San Diego, have our San Diego bubble, have our United States bubble. And you think of things that define you, but you start realizing that's basically because you're in that San Diego bubble. And you only realize that stuff when you get out of that, when you travel to another country. And he uses the example that in the United States is a very common thing that if I have a wife and my best friend has a wife, those two wives are going to know each other. They have to. And he goes in Czech Republic, at least this was a while back. He had a really good friend that had a wife. He had a wife and they never met over the last 12 years or whatever it was. He goes, that's not the custom. And you start realizing that when you're in these different lands, I'm assuming you see it all the time. You start realizing who you truly are and who you just basically are accustomed to being because you grew up in that environment, you live that environment. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great story. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And we can learn so much from other people and just take the best of everything, you know, cause we are a little bit of everyone we've met, everything we've done, everything we've seen. And so I think the more you can expand your horizons, the more well-rounded of a person you can become and uh, learning about you know, why people are the way they are. And, uh, you know, sometimes we watch the news and all we hear is the bad stuff. And, uh, 
you know, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, there's, there's so many great people throughout this world and, uh, I, you know, I just can't have enough experiences and meet enough people, but I'm going to do my, my damnedest to, to, to meet as many as I can. Well, I'm glad I had you on here, Ralph, and hopefully everyone listening, you know, today's the start of the rest of your life. If you want to do it, go out and do it. If you if you don't have the capacity to travel, travel through Ralph and, and his adventures. If you have the capacity to do it, reach out to Ralph and and take that adventure. I mean, start something new, go for it. And if you want to start your own business, I mean, follow, follow Ralph's footsteps. And, and please, in the description, uh, in the show notes, we're going we have his YouTube channel, all his platforms, everything there, subscribe, share, follow, join. And every day can feel like you're in a new country, new land. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to the road to growth success of an entrepreneur. Please like subscribe and stay connected. Visit www.theenriquezgroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group signing off.